Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God and... What topic should we cover? This morning we talked a little bit about Corinthians chapter 1 verse 2. Now you wouldn't think, wow, he's talking religion. He's not talking about liberty under God. But the fact is, if you actually knew what the Bible was talking about, you might have a different view of the New and Old Testament. In the New and Old Testament, it mentions law some seven and government some 700 to 1,000 times. Actually, law even more. And it also mentions religion five times. <laughs> but everybody tells you that the book that they call the Bible is about religion. Why does it only mention religion five times? Well, actually, religion is about law. Religion, now what law? There's all kinds of law. There's the law of God, the law of man, the civil law, the common law, you know, the the law men make up for themselves. Now, some of those statements just now are overlapping. Civil law is the law that men make for themselves. Common law is supposed to be an extension of natural law and an interpretation of the natural law that is common amongst men who are free, free men, men at liberty. But men at liberty are also men at responsibility who take on the responsibilities of being men and women. People say, oh, well, men is excluding women. No, women are men with a womb. So when I say man or mankind, I'm including women because women are men too. (laughs) So, But they're a different aspect of mankind. Uh, they have different qualities and different skills and different abilities that uh, male men don't have. And viva la difference. Uh, there's a reason for that difference. And it's good. That's how society is created, by the difference between those two creatures, mankind-type creatures walking the face of the earth. What happens is that mankind runs into other mankind and then there's a need for government. Because one group of mankind wants to destroy or take or rob or steal or take from the other group of mankind. And they are willing to lie and cheat and bludgeon their neighbor in order to do that. So, mankind gathers together to prevent that, and that gathering together, we call government. Now, there's all kinds of governments and all kinds of ways to gather together. The Bible is telling you about one kind of way to gather together that works different than another kind of way to gather together. Cain had a way of gathering together, and... Uh, Seth had a way of gathering together, and Abel had a way of gathering together. Well, Seth and Abel's way are very similar. Cain's way ended up being more like Nimrod and Sodom and Gomorrah, and it led to corruption. It led to violence. 
because it was about plowing the Adama, forcing people to get in a row, forcing people to line up and to make the sacrifices of society necessary to keep society together. The Bible tells us that forcing the sacrifice of the people is foolishness and will cause your kingdom to be destroyed. It will cause it to become corrupted from the inside. As soon as you decide to force the contributions of the people, to sustain the people, to protect the people, to secure the people, you are on a road towards destruction. Now you may as an individual or people in your nation of forced contributions may rise to the occasion and do the right thing. I always remember Katrina when it hit and FEMA was not able to get there. And FEMA was actually stopping people from bringing aid. People there in the area of Louisiana where Katrina had done harm were gathering together and helping one another. In other areas I saw where the government came in and was taking away their means to protect themselves. Take confiscating guns. These were law-abiding people that were protecting one another. The old lady was protecting her home and the little bit of food she had stored until things got back normal. She was taking care of herself and the government busted down the door, beat her up, injured her, and took her only means of self-defense. In the name of what? It's crazy. Crazy. And if people were understanding why the Constitution said the few things that it did say right, they wouldn't be doing that. But the fact is, is I said there are two groups of people. The people who want to take away the life and liberty and rights of their neighbor and those people who want to protect the life and liberty and rights of their neighbor. When the people who want to take it away become more numerous, then you have a situation like Moldor, you know, in in the in the Tolkien novels where people are, you know, he wrote those because he saw the events of World War One. He saw how men were murdering men, and he also saw the nobility of men. So he wrote about most of the men had become these these gargoyle uh, uh, monsters. And some of the men remained honorable. But even the honorable men were tempted by power. The Lord of the Rings. If you want power, there are men who will give you power. But one ring controls them all. One spirit controls the men who want power. And they will follow a certain path. So when governments come together, you have to be very careful that you do not give power to give rings of power to men. You want a government that comes together as a voluntary government to take care of one another through a voluntary means. And the men who rightly divide the bread from house to house, the men who bring the care to the people... That they may be healthy and live long and prosper, as Spock would say. (laughs) Those men are men who don't seek power, but seek the right to serve. 
and the means by which to serve other people. They are men of service, not men of authority and power over you, but they may have authority and power over what you give them to be of service to others. And if you see them not being of service, you still have the power not to support their ministry. You would go over and support another man's ministry. But... In order to put this together on a national and international scale, the ministers need to come together. And of course, the 12 tribes were like 12 states. They were individual families. And of course, within each of those tribes, there were other individual families. The power of the state, what the Romans would call the potestas in imperium, was in the hands of the heads of individual families. And of course you say, the heads of, you know, the individual families, people are going to say, oh, patriarch alert. They're saying that the man has all the power. The man does not have all the power. He never has all the power. It's not right that he has all the power. It's not right that he be alone. So God gave him another man. We call that other man a woe man. (laughs) That woe man is a part of the power structure of the family. Has a tremendous power structure element to it. To that woe man. And the children. While they may be little children, the father may abuse them. But those little children, I just saw the daughter of uh, someone I knew many years ago standing on a Facebook page. My wife showed me the pictures. They have four kids. And the uh, little daughter, when I saw her, she was this little tiny infant. Now she towers over her mother and her father. (laughs) She's gotten bigger. And the sons are on their way up to that same kind of stature, undoubtedly. If you were still depending upon your children for your social welfare and your community for your social welfare, you would not beat your children. You would not abuse your children. You would make sure they got the best education and they had the best of characters because that's what you would be investing in is your children. And they would see your sacrifice and your days would be long upon the land if they kept the commandment that says honor thy father and thy mother because that actually means to take care of them. And if they don't take care of their parents, they should not expect their children to take care of them. I always remember a young lady whose mother was thinking about putting her grandmother in a home for care. And she said, well, why would we take Oh, it would be so much trouble if Grandma was here, you know, because she is so demanding and everything. We, we can't really do that. That would interrupt our lives and everything. And it says, well, the daughter says, well, give me the address of the home you put her in. So I will know where to put you when you are too old to take care of. Guess what? Grandma came home. (laughs) They took care of Grandma. And it worked out pretty good. That wasn't necessarily always easy, but it worked out pretty good. There's lessons to be learned in that process. But if you change that, you say, okay, I just give to the government through these forced contributions called Social Security and taxes and income tax, and the government will take care of my parents. They will provide Medicare, Medicaid, you know, and Social Security, and they will take care of them. I don't have to do it. I have to do no more ought for them. That's the Corbin of the Pharisees that makes the Word of God to none effect. That's the other system. 
that undoes, undoes society. It begins to erode society from the inside and corrupts men of power because the priests of your society are not rightly dividing the bread as a matter of service. They're, they have the power to force you to contribute and then they get to decide who gets what. And they can rake off the top because they have a right to eat of, you know, the, the, the sacrifice of the people. And if you don't like it, oh, you can try to vote them out. Good luck with that. How's that been working out for you? Because your nations have been steadily going downhill. I talked this morning about places like Holland, pretty good place. People says the happiest nation in the world. Well, they euthanized 6,000 people in in 2017 and probably more in 2018. They euthanized them. They killed them. They hold down old women and inject them with poison while they're saying they don't want to die. They don't protest a lot because they've already drugged their drink so they will be easier to handle and hold down while they inject them and kill them even though they're objecting to being killed all the time. And when it goes to court, it's ruled it's okay because she was having some mental deficiency. So we get to kill her. They weren't going to honor their mother and their father. They were going to kill their mother and father because they got a little difficult. Now, the decision of the young lady that who said, uh, let me know what home you put them in, Oh, well, let me know what drug you injected into grandma so I'll know what drug to inject into you when you become difficult to deal with. How long will your days be upon the land? (laughs) It's crazy. It's insane. But that's where the world has come to. Now you have leaders talking about lowering the population. How how low? We've seen it written in stone. That they intend to remove over half the population of the world. To annihilate them. To kill them. You know, for the greater good. To stop global warming. Even though it will have no effect whatsoever on global warming. As a matter of fact, things might heat up quite a bit. So, anyway, uh, those are, certain forms of go- government lead to death and destruction. Your leaders will destroy you. They will kill you. They will... They will make choices even though they don't realize they're making choices that will bring about your destruction. You know, like take all the guns away from the people because, oh, people are being killed by guns. 400 people were killed with rifles in a given year. In the same year, I mean, in one day, 400 people are killed (laughs) with automobiles. Uh, They said, yeah, but we need our automobiles. Well, the fact is, Millions of people are saved every year in the United States because of the presence of guns. Because all those thugs and robbers, they're afraid to come into your house. They're afraid to uh, just bash in the door and take what they want. Because they don't know if you got a gun or not. You know, I could give you story after story after story of people stopping crime because they had a gun. Just the mere idea that you might have a gun stops crime. And that's just common sense. It's obvious. But they don't see that. And we talked about that this morning when we went through 1 Corinthians chapter 2. They will not have eyes to see. So how do you get eyes to see what is coming? What is dangerous? 
Well, you have to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So what does that look like? What does it look like to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness? How do we do that? By what means are we able to do that? Well, Christ told us. Moses told us. Abraham told us. Some people think, oh, well, we have to keep the Sabbath. That means count six days and then take a day of rest. And now do we use a lunar calendar? He mentioned a lunar calendar, or supposedly in my translation he did. And so then we we have to figure that out. And then we have to wear a prayer shawl and we have to keep the food laws and we have to do all these things. No. No. That's not what it's saying. They They didn't have to do all that stuff back then. Pharisees told you they did, but the Pharisees had it wrong. The Pharisees were making the word of God to none effect with their Corbin because they had set up a system of social security by forced offerings. The first forced offerings we see in Israel are by King Saul. And the prophet Samuel comes in right away and says, because you forced this offering, your kingdom won't eat this foolish thing of forcing offerings. Your kingdom will not stand. Well, now every government in the world today, other than the kingdom of God, which is a government, but you you don't know where it is. Uh, we we can give you clues so you can seek it, <laughs> but we can't tell you where it is because it's not a geographical location. But that kingdom of God does not force offerings. All the other governments of the world. They do force the offerings of the people. They call themselves benefactors, but they exercise authority one over the other. A true Christian does not do it that way because Christ said it is not to be that way with you. There are not very many true Christians around. There's a lot of people who want to believe in Christ, see some good things in Christ, but they don't want to see the whole truth. They don't want to have that single eye we talked about this morning. If you want to hear the recordings this morning, you have to join the network and they'll tell you where they are. It'll be a few days before they're available, but uh, they'll they'll tell you where you can see them and listen to them all together. This is in the middle of, we started 1 Corinthians uh, or Corinthians and then we did 1 Corinthians and then second Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians 2nd chapter. And now this is an interim that complements that but we're not really going to go through Corinthians. We're going to go through what the government of God looks like. So, the governments of the world, what you do is you elect rulers who can make laws for you. That's what the Constitution did. Is It created a government separate from the states because even after the ratification of so-called ratification of the Constitution of the United States, and the acquiescence to that ratification because the ratification wasn't actually legal, and you say, what, what is he talking about? The Constitution wasn't legally ratified? No. Uh, all historians who are good historians will agree to that. That it was very clear that the Constitution could not be ratified without a unanimous vote of all the states. They had already signed a contract that said, said they wouldn't change anything without a unanimous consent of all the states. They had agreed to that. That was the contract. They had made with each other. They implemented the Constitution before everybody agreed. And they actually twisted the arm of a couple of the states like Rhode Island to get them to agree. Uh, you know, in other words, exercise, you know, put pressure on them. Economic pressure on them. And they eventually conceded and it was acquiesced to. So it is the law. 
of the land. But there's a lot more laws now than there was back then. And they've been brought in by some of the clauses, like the contract clause of the Constitution that you're unaware of, the long-term effect of. But anyway, the Constitution had a number of elements to restrict the power of those men that you elected as lawmakers. Originally, we called them representatives because they were only representatives in making some laws affecting things like equity and and uh, the borders and uh, uh, commerce with foreign countries, but not amongst the states. They had no power to regulate amongst the states. We thought we could handle it all amongst the states, and we probably could have. But we gave them power with the Constitution. And one of the powers they got was the power to borrow money. Now, they couldn't borrow money in your name at first. You had to eventually join in to the United States and become United States citizens instead of state citizens. All that took place after the Civil War. Now, I I could go and talk to you about, you know, certain uh, amendments that were made and kind of disappeared and were passed. And we can get into all the conspiracy stuff later. But the reality, let's just look at the record. Now, that the fundamental record that is easily looked up, that is agreed to. You know, it's like definitions. I can tell you what words meant at different times and all this stuff, but we just look at the, their definitions today. I could show you what the Hebrew really meant in the Old Testament, but I'll just use the commonly accepted concordance and I can prove all the same things. You know, I don't have to dig into the dusty library of books that most people don't see anymore because they've been hidden away. I could go and show you stuff that it says in there, but I don't need to do that. I can just look at what you're doing and say, that's a covetous practice. You know, desiring benefits from men who exercise authority, in other words, men who take away from your neighbor through forced taxation, forced offerings, same thing, To desire those benefits is a covetous practice. You're desiring to be benefited by taking away from your neighbor. That's a covetous practice. And in the New Testament, told you that covetous practices would make you merchandise and a surety for debt. And of course, that's what's happened. When you became U.S. citizens... When you signed up for Social Security, and we can go through this in detail, and I have places I've already gone through it in detail. You just have to take my word for it right now or we'll get off on a rabbit trail. You became a surety for the debt that comes about when they borrow from the future to give you benefits today. People are all worried about Social Security not being solvent. Social Security has never, ever, ever been solvent. That's just a fact. If they're saying, well, we're worried about it because the money is going, there is no division of funds. Supreme Court ruled that years ago over and over again. If you read the Social Security Act, if you read how the government works, you and you understood it, of course, they're not going to teach you this in school, you would know there is no division of funds. The reason they started Social Security is they were already bankrupt. That's why you ended up with a depression. It was manufactured, plan manufactured, but it was inevitable. Uh, Calvin Coolidge told you it was inevitable. 
he he knew it was so inevitable he wouldn't even run for another term. Everybody wanted to elect him, but he wouldn't run again because he says, you're not learning your lesson. You're not changing your ways. It's going to come. It's inevitable. Most people couldn't see it. Calvin Coolidge could see it. But, I mean, most of the kids don't even know who Calvin Coolidge was. Silent cow. You know, he thought the the world was safer when he was taking a nap. Why? Because he knew how much power the president had. And that was back then. The power it has now is just ridiculous. It's way more. But he knew it was coming. How come you didn't know it was coming? Now, there were other men who knew it was coming. And they knew why it was coming. Charles A. Lindbergh Sr. knew it was coming. He left the country eventually. He was a senator. And he knew it was coming. The day of reckoning was coming, he said. For what we were doing. What we were doing. Creating Federal Reserves. That was going to be a day of reckoning for that. Uh, and the Federal Reserve allowed this runaway stock market and banking system was put in peril where there would eventually be a crash. And then in order to get the Federal Reserve to start loaning money again, they could have just done away with the Federal Reserve at that time. In order to get the Federal Reserve to start, instead they wanted to get it start loaning money again, they needed more collateral. That was you. When you signed up for Social Security, you signed up to be collateral. You're a beneficiary for, if you're a beneficiary for a trust and the trust owes money, you owe money. <laughs> I guess you were the one to benefit. So now you're the one that's responsible for the debt. What do you got? All your land is gone. All, cause you don't, you only have legal title to your land. That's not true in actual title. That's an apparent title that carries with it no beneficial interest. So you have no right to the beneficial interest or beneficial use of your land. Therefore, you have to pay a use tax every year because you don't own it. You're not a landed American anymore. You're a serf on the land. You don't pay the taxes for two years. They take the whole bunch away from you. And in, many, in some states, they terminate the title. In most states, you won't get anything back when they sell your property because it isn't yours. You're not the actual, the true owner of the land. The loss, and, you know, I'm reading definitions right out of the legal dictionary. Legal title is only an apparent title that carries with it no beneficial interest. And it is the antithesis of the equitable title whom the law considers to be the true owner of the property. That's not you. So you lost your land. You don't own your livestock. You don't own your children. Your children are collateral for debt, surety for debt. You've cursed your children with that debt because they were born while you were in bondage to the world. It's worse for you today than it was at the time of the bondage of Egypt. So how do we reverse that? Now, a lot of people are going to argue with those statements, and I'm just throwing them out there. I've got lots of facts to back it up. You don't have to pay me $1,500 to read You don't have to pay me $800 to read You don't have to pay me $100 to read You don't have to pay me anything because I got it free on the net. It's it's there on our website, hisholychurch.org. It's just the facts. I've taken this to lawyers. My father was a lawyer. He wrote law books. He says, I'm right. But they're not going to like you. Why? Because I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. What are you going to do about it? Well, I know what they would like to do about it, but fortunately, almost none of you are listening. <laughs> what Do I want you to have a violent revolution? No. 
Do I want you to think revolutionarily? If, if that's a word. Yes. But I want you to think like the revolutionary Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came to serve, not to be served. Jesus Christ commanded that you gather in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. To do what? To serve. To serve one another. To serve the red heifer. What's the red heifer? I mentioned these articles. Go read the red heifer. Go read the article on breaches. Go read the article on fringe. Go read the article on altars. Go read the article on stoning. And you'll realize that what they told you about the Old Testament is a fiction and a fraud. Go read the article on the Essenes. Go read the article on early Christians, early church. And you can read the article on modern church. There's actually live links that link all these articles together. But then you'll start seeing a picture of the kingdom. Go read the book, Thy Kingdom Comes. It's free online. You don't have to join anything to get access to this. But I recommend that you you join the Living Network. Go to preparingyou.com, join the Living Network, and get together with another congregation, even if you only get together by phone and email. Because they will help guide you in learning more. And then you will be able to explain it to others, your family, others. A lot of them aren't going to like you, like my father said. Says you're right, but they're not gonna like you. I don't care if they don't like me. I'm not, life is not a popularity contest. Those who see what I'm talking about, they will love me. <laughs> well, maybe. First, they might be a little resentful because I told them the truth. That's not easy to, you know, it takes a little bit to learn to handle the truth. But, I'm not doing it so they will love me. I'm doing it because I already love them. And I know the only way to save you is to give you the truth. But if I give it to you and you don't accept it, I can't do anything about that. If you accept the truth, if you think you accept the truth, what are you doing about it? Gather together and care about one another as much as you care about yourself. Care about your neighbor's rights, your neighbor's children, your neighbor's whatever he has in property, which is probably just legal title, but it's that that's his property. Uh, in a legal sense, which means he doesn't really own it, but he does have a certain right to it. But care about that as much as you care about your own. That is going to start making changes in your mind. That's going to start making changes in your heart. That is going to lead you to the dark places of your own soul. And then you get to see that. That's what it's going to come down to, handling the truth. And when you you begin to see that, and admit it, confess it, and move forward as a doer of the word, you're going to, God is going to unveil more mysteries of the kingdom, more secrets of the kingdom, which will put power at your disposal that you've never even thought existed. But, you will be ready for that power and not be corrupted for that power. God will not give you power that will corrupt you. The world will give you power that corrupts you. Governments do it all the time. That's why, you know, going to Washington to drain the swamp, where are you going to drain it to? There is no place to drain it to. (laughs) 
If you drain this swamp, you make another swamp or you silt up the river. Anyway, not carrying the metaphor too far. The fact is, is that you, you need to turn your lives around, your thinking around and go another way. So uh, after the break, we're going to talk a little bit about the mechanics of what that would look like today, understanding the legal system of yesterday, you know, uh, back the days of Nimrod and Babylon and Sodom and Gomorrah and Egypt. And, you know, I've studied all these laws, the Marats and all these laws of the ancient time. And they were... They were good at one time and then they moved into corruption. Good at one time and moved into corruption. Good at one time and moved into corruption because they followed a certain pattern. If you change that pattern, which is a pattern of thinking, then you can move from corruption to liberty under God. But you have to be willing to take your responsibilities. Anyway, that's what we're going to talk about in the nuts and bolts of that when we come back to Keys of the Kingdom. Okay, well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom, and I said I was going to give you some of the nuts and bolts, and I was looking up some of those nuts and bolts, (laughs) and I thought I had an audio on a particular page, so, uh, and evidently I don't, but I can get it on there. Uh, If you go to hisholychurch.org, and go to the outline page, and look for guidelines, you will find what we call the guidelines, and... uh, and there are some audios associated with it. It'll be an MP3, and you can play those. Uh, I, preparing you, uh, we also have the guidelines there on a page called Guidelines. Easy to remember. <laughs> so, uh, and there's only 20 of them. And they're the basic concept of what I was just talking about, but more into the schematic of the structure of the church. Now, the church... You, you, if you're a congregant, you're not a member of the church. You're in a free assembly. That's the way they were always referred to as free assemblies. They're not an unincorporated association. They're not even an association. Yeah, you associate with one another, but only while you're in the assembly. When you're done in the assembly, you go back home and your family is entirely in, intact. You remember in the first part of the show, I mentioned the potestas and imperium, what the Romans called potestas and imperium. If you, that's your rights. That's your power of action and your power of choice. And that's the way they identified those characteristics of natural rights that are born when you're born in your family. When your father dies, you inherit those natural rights because your father had those rights intact. He hadn't sold them off to somebody else for debt. That's not happening today. Most people are born and their parents are already in bondage because through their covetous practices, they were going to curse their children. That's what the New Testament tells you. That's a done deal. That's happened already. They're surety for debt. They owe the debt that you see climbing on the debt clock. And that's just the way it is. And people say, well, I don't agree with that. You know, where's the contract? All that stuff. Well, we show you that too. And we show you how this works. And you can be in denial all you want. But we're not just telling you how bad it is to make you feel bad. We're telling you how bad it is. And we're going to show you the solution. You know, 
If you got into bondage by being covetous, you're going to get out of bondage by being charitable. But you get to choose how you're going to be charitable. Because we're giving you back your responsibility one choice at a time. And when you start making those right choices, you're going to start seeing things differently. You also need to have your debt forgiven. The governments of the world aren't going to forgive your debt. That's They're not in the forgiveness business. They're in the control business. I don't care if you're in Australia or Canada or the United States. or what, They're not going to forgive your debt. People are all talking about, oh, uh, you know, somebody, I guess I heard this just today. Somebody was saying, somebody at a Bernie Sanders political rally or something or other was saying that he's got all this debt. And I guess it's school debt or something, you know, school loans or something. And he's going to commit suicide if somebody doesn't pay his debt. Well, okay, Bernie says he's going to pay debt. I think Elizabeth Warren talks about paying all the debt and all that stuff. They're not going to pay the debt. They're going to spread it around to all the people who didn't borrow money to go to school. (laughs) The people who worked, you know, all night and two jobs in order to finance their way through school without borrowing money, which is, by the way, keeping the Sabbath. People... Some people have complained that when I, they, they cringe when I say keeping the Sabbath is not about a day, it's about a way. It's about staying out of debt. That's what it's about. Working first, then getting the rewards of that work, which is the rest that comes. The rest is a reward for the work you've done. If you take the rest first and then owe the work, you're not keeping the Sabbath. If you count six days and take a day of rest, that's not it. That's just not it. That's where, when you, if you think that's it, you've unmoored the metaphor from the principle and you're worshiping the metaphor instead of the God of principle and right, excuse me, and of righteousness. I hit, I hit my desk. If the government pays the debt of those who borrowed money to go to college, that debt is going to be on the heads of all the people who didn't borrow money to go to college. They went to a trade school. They went and got into the workplace. And now they're going to have to pay that debt. Do you think that's fair? Well, if you think that's fair, go vote for Elizabeth Warren and Bernie. <laughs> if you think that's not fair, keep listening. Because I'm going to show you the alternative. Now, I can't do anything about the governments of the world. I'm not interested in overthrowing them or changing them or altering them. I'm interested in altering hearts and minds, bringing them to repentance to think a different way, and to get them to become doers of that way. Because if you just got 5% of the world or 5% of the American population to think the way that Christ actually told us to think, the way that John the Baptist actually told us to do it, the way Moses was actually talking before his message was twisted by the Pharisees and Sadducees and even by the Zealots. If we could get 5% of the people doing that, you would change the course of history. I can tell you this and guarantee it, you would change the course of your history. (laughs) your history to be. You would change the course of the history for your family and for your children and for your prodigy and descendants. You would change that. But you have to repent. You have to think differently. 
So we have the guidelines, and, and since there are recordings available, I'm not going to go through all because we don't have the time. There's a couple hours available that go through guidelines, etc. And it's Appendix 10 in the Free Church Report. You can find the audios. You'll have to go to hisholychurch.org to find the audios right now. Eventually, I will try to get them on the guideline page. And this outlines the basic concept of the government of God in the sense of a trust. All governments have an element of being a trust. Almost all governments, and I would say even all, I say almost because I have to be careful because there might be something I haven't seen yet, have elements of a corporation in them. Now, people say, oh, corporation bad, though we don't want to incorporate. Well, I agree, can be bad. You know, if you go read our article on Golem, and I, hopefully I have the audios up on that. I don't always get to all these things. I'm working, you know, I'm working 17, 18 hours a day as it is, and I'm not a young man anymore. So you just have to bear with me if I haven't got the audios up. If you join the network, somebody will help you find those audios and you can listen to them. They will help you find the articles. They will help you along. But if you don't join the network, and you need to join the network not to just get help, but to be of help to others. Because that's an important part of the spiritual aspect of the road that we're going down. Because you can join the network and still be headed towards destruction. Because the network, what I'm calling the network, is just an email network. And that won't always be available. The living network is not just an email network. And if more and more people join, it will become a viable network. It will become the body of Christ. It will be a part of the corpus of Christ and the bride of Christ and all those things which 99% of you probably don't really understand, and I'm not going to take the time to explain it. You'll find out when you get there, <laughs> and then we'll we'll explain it. But th- basically, these guidelines are taking you through what Christ in Christ's government was. It was all based on free will offerings. It was all based on returning responsibility and choices back to the people. It was all based on... Uh, you know, free will offerings and uh, service to one another. And it forbade the church ministers from becoming benefactors who exercise authority. Uh, so, you know, anyway, I, I could go into long histories of all that, but we won't do that. Y'all just have to go to the other audios. That is the basic schematic. I'm using the word schematic. I think that's the best one I can come up with right now. Of... What the church aspect of the trust, uh, of the, the trust aspect of the church. And actually the trust aspect of altars of stone. Cause altars of stone are actually gathering of men. There was never a pile of rocks. There was never meant to be a pile of rocks. And I'm not saying they never piled up rocks, but it was not to be a pile of rocks. That is the metaphor. And the pictures they drew you, that's something else. Adam and Eve weren't necessarily naked in the garden, but it's great for artists to paint pictures of naked people, but that's not what they mean by naked. The devil was naked too. The Levites were naked. That they mean is without authority. Now, the congressmen and senators of the United States government, they're not naked. They got power because you're... Constitution gave him power. You want to know more about the Constitution? We have a whole book on that, series of articles, series of recordings, contracts, uh, covenants, and constitutions. And you will hear what nobody else seems to be telling anybody <laughs> about the Constitution. 
But we're not going to go into that either because there isn't enough time. So that's the nuts and bolts. But we have another thing called uh, the administrative guidelines. Now, the administrative guidelines are for people who enter into this process of trust of the church. And the congregant becomes a part of that process, but he's not incorporated. Because now, remember, when the congregant goes back home, he has all his potestas and imperium still intact. I mean, if he's missing some of it, it's not because of his relationship with the church. It's because of his relationship with the world. Because he has looked to the benefactors who exercise authority or his parents have. And so now they can make choices for him. Those The power to make those choices for him has been passed up to the senators and congressmen and presidents of his government or parliamentary members, whatever government it is. They now have the power, the imperium and potestas to make decisions for you. What are your, in California they just decided to force vaccinate your children. Because they're their children. They have the power to make that decision. Now exactly how that all came about and where they're infringing and not infringing, we can discuss that later, but there is a power there that has been given them because we haven't been thinking clearly. And we haven't been doing what Christ said. And therefore we could not see what was coming. I can see what's coming. I may not see it all, but I can see a lot more than most people. If you go this other way, you will start to see. Not because I tell you, but you will start to see. It has to be, if you listen to the show this morning on Corinthians, you have to have your eyes open. You don't listen to me. I'm not your guru. That's that's another topic I could talk about is gurus. That we have... Um, I don't want to... Well, I can use this page. Okay. If I if I go to preparing you and I type in the word guru, uh, which I'm not a very good one-handed typer, especially when I'm using my right hand on the left side of the <laughs> yeah on the right side of the keyboard or my right hand typing on the left side of the keyboard. Yeah, I said it right. Anyway, there's a page called Guru Theories, and that will pop up in the search engine right away, and you can go to that and you can see all kinds of different. People who say they got the answer and we address them. And to tell you the truth, some of these people, you know, it talks about, you know, members of the bar and let's see who else do we talk about, uh, uh, LB Bork, uh, Richard Cornforth, uh, George Gordon. I knew George Gordon way back. Bob Holstrom. I knew way back. Randy Lee. I knew way back. Mark uh, Pazio. He's newer. I didn't actually ever meet him, but I've looked at his videos. Anna Maria, uh, Reisinger. Oh, well, she goes by a number of names. Lark and Rose. Bob Schultz. I met Bob Schultz. Mark Stevens. Um, uh, Marcus. I haven't met Marcus because I think he's in Australia. But they all have some truth. And they all have elements of truth. Even David Merrill. I mentioned David Merrill on here. Uh, David Merrill had a lot of interaction with David Merrill. Although I didn't ever meet him. I know a lot of people that know him. Um uh, UCC Redemption, that's another thing. And uh, I think way down at the bottom of the page, we have a number of different uh, things you can look up that are underneath there, which would be, let's see if I, yeah, non-statutory abatements, grand jury, people forming grand juries and trying to solve the solution. No, none of those, almost every one of those will get you into trouble 
at one point or another. They're all missing elements. And now I may be missing elements too, but I've I've gone through all this. I've been at this for decades upon decades upon decades. Uh, I've been doing this since before many of you were even born. Uh, fiction of law, that's another thing. Redemption. Uh, but we tell you what the Nicolaitans were, and most people won't like that, what the mark of the beast is and what it means. It's not what most people are telling you. Yeah, we're telling you something different on all these different levels, but we're sh- going to show you how this works. If you have ears to hear and eyes to see, you'll get it. False religion. What's false religion? What's public religion? What was that? Why were the Christians being persecuted? The Christian conflict. Take a look at that. And it will tell you, employed. Are you employed now by the federal government? Well, do you have a federal employee identification number? Yeah. Uh, you know, I asked my father once when I was a small boy, pretty small boy. Uh, asked him, he was either seven or nine. I can't remember. Uh, I think it was nine. I asked him something else when I was seven. But uh, I said, who do you work for? And he says, until July 1st, I work for the government. Because he was in a 50% income tax bracket. He understood that he was a slave working for the government without pay for half the year. Because half of everything he produced went straight to the government. When you were in bondage of Egypt, it was only 20% of what you did in a given year went to the government. Despite what you saw in the movie with Charlton Heston. It was only 20%. But the, the burden got heavier because they would actually... When you had children, they, your taxes went up because <laughs> you were going to owe for them. But anyway, lots of other articles on the bottom of that page, and, and hopefully you'll start getting a picture of it. And we're trying to put audios on as many pages as we can. I don't want to be your guru, but I'm trying to show you there is another way. And so we have the administrative guidelines, which is the nuts and bolts and mechanics of how this works. Now, when you elect a minister to be your minister... He doesn't have power over you. He doesn't have any power over your potestas or your uh, imperium. Your right to decide or what you do or not do. He doesn't have... That's not what you're giving him when you elect him. What you're doing, if you go read the article on breaches, is you're sewing his underwear. You're giving him a covering. Because he has no power. He's naked. He, he is naked of power. That's what that meant. The Levites were naked. And the people were supposed to sew their underwear so that they would not, you would not see their nakedness. It has nothing to do with actual underwear. These are metaphors. They're telling you something. The same as the, the, those breeches have nothing to do with underwear. The, the prayer cloth and the fringe had nothing to do with cloth and fringe on the corners of a piece of cloth. It had nothing to do with that. And if, if people are saying that you have to do that or you're not following the Torah, I'll, I'll guarantee you almost that those people do not have an international network of charity like Paul had right out of the gate where he was taking funds from Galatia to help Corinth and taking funds from, you know, Syria and from, from Jerusalem to help people when they were in need on a major international scale. How did they do that? How did they know to do that? How did they know where to go and who did deliver those funds to? How were they moving those funds around? They were organized in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, and ten thousands, and hundred thousands. You're not. 
If you've got a home church, great. But if it's not connected with a thousand other home churches in a charitable network like Christ was setting up for the first century church, you missed it. If you fill out all these UCCs and all this stuff and you don't have it, you missed it. If you sign your non-statutory abatement and you don't have a network that was doing what Paul was doing right out of the gate, you missed it. What we're showing you with the guidelines and administrative guidelines is what it looks like. So how do you become a part of that? Well, it's a free assembly. So you don't have to actually join some people say, well, how do I join a congregation? You don't join a congregation. You assemble with a congregation in a free assembly. You don't, the only time you put a part of the choice that you have over your stuff into the control of a minister is when you give him some of your stuff. You give him something, and that's what we call a burnt offering. You give it up entirely. You don't actually set it on fire, and neither did they set sheep on fire. Despite all the pictures you saw in the Bible, that's not what they were talking about. Yeah, the Pharisees were doing that, but the Essenes who read the same Torah, knew the same Hebrew, they weren't doing that. Why weren't they doing it? They believed in the Torah, they were following the Torah, but they weren't piling up rocks and burning up sheep. They said that idea was a fiction and a fraud. All the modern Christians say, no, that's what they were doing. Because the Pharisees were doing it. Yet Christ said the Pharisees had it wrong. Whoa. (laughs) So, if you think that's what they're doing, you got it wrong. So anyway, we have a page there also on preparing you called Sacred Purpose Trust. And it has lots of headings on it. The Sacred Purpose Trust. Sacred Purpose Trust. We go through each of those words. Why is it sacred? Because it's a burnt offering. And it is given to somebody who's not a part of the world of the world governments. He is separate. Is Jesus Christ. He has appointed his kingdom to a group of men we call the church. But is it his church? Somebody sent me an article today. Let's see if I can find it. Uh, I actually, some home churches were saying this. Yeah, this is it, I think. Yeah. And they said, fastest growing church has no buildings, no central leadership, and is mostly led by women. Well, when you got to down to mostly led by women, that doesn't sound right. No central leadership, great. No, certainly no rulers, no men who call themselves benefactors exercising authority one over the other. That would be a church. But I, you know, I haven't really read the whole article. I looked at, skimmed through some of it. But led by women. Why is it led by women? Well, maybe because there's hardly any men around. I mean, you know, like I always said when Margaret Thatcher was uh, the leader of Great Britain, I says it's an indictment of the British when the best man for the job is a woman. Not that she couldn't do it. She didn't do too bad, considering. But that isn't the solution. The solution is seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. She just... She just made some good points about socialism. Okay, now wait a minute. They are leading this movement going out into the highways and byways, sharing with prostitutes, steering, uh, drug addicts with, oh, okay, that's what they're doing, embracing. I thought, are we getting to the Vessel Virgin thing? <laughs> but anyway, we're coming to the end of this show, so I'm not going to be able to tell you more. But if you join the network, maybe we'll, we'll continue where I, I'm going to leave off here. The next time on the 
next broadcast on Freedomizer, and then it'll become a part of the series, and then we'll we'll be going into other things with uh, 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 Corinthians, etc. But then we also had this morning we had uh, what was going on in the news. So again, if you want to keep up with this, join the network, and then we'll take it from there. Until then, peace on your house, and may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.